Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone, live from the warehouse, 1825 South and 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. It's time for your daily assist, brought to you by Lee's Heating and Air. Check them out online, leesheatac.com, or give them a call today, 801-747-LEES. Let's jump out to the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Joining us now, our good friend Howard Beck. Howard, happy Friday. How are you? Happy Friday, guys. Good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon to you. Uh, let's start out with the with the Jazz a little bit with you, Howard. Gordon and I have spent the last couple of days kind of trying to digest this season and determine uh, success or no and what worked and what didn't. Give us kind of your take overall on how the Jazz did this year. Yeah, you know, look, I mean, on, on some level, maybe it's a disappointment because, you know, you, you hope when you've got a young core that each year is kind of pushing a little bit further forward that you're going to have that breakthrough that you're you know you're, you're going to have you know first uh, certainly to get out of the first round and then have a nice competitive second round series and see where that goes but um you know you guys know all the built-in challenges they were facing without bogdanovich and still trying to get uh you know these guys in sync with each other and you know playing a, a team in, in in denver that was just an incredibly deep and had a lot of different options and you know um i i don't i don't think it should be considered a disappointment i i think you know these things are never linear you don't you know get a young core together have them grow and then boom you know one year first round next year second round next year conference finals and you're or you're a contender um sometimes it's it's a couple steps forward and a step back i think the encouraging part two things both to do with donovan mitchell one i think we saw further growth from him and i thought you know it was just it was just you know look it was a blast this and this is the basketball the, the part where basketball bleeds in entertainment it was a blast watching him and jamal murray go you know basket for basket and and just put up these these crazy numbers and and just compete hard at a high level and in an entertaining way um and he made progress he developed to get you know as, as a player and the second piece is the indication from Chris Haynes' report in Yahoo the other day is that he intends to sign the max extension, which shouldn't be a surprise. Almost every rookie who's offered a max extension uh, takes it. It's rare not to, not a rookie, but on the rookie deal. Everybody takes that extension off the rookie deal. Um, and so you've got some stability there. And then, you know, you, you hope that things are good enough between him and Gobert that that subsides and you keep them together and, and you try to keep building around them. But that's easier said than done, you know, in, in, in a league where – Obviously, there's a cap and a luxury tax and all the uncertainties about the cap and the tax levels because of the pandemic and the, the, the league needing to come to, to grips with, uh, you know, the, the revenue shortfalls. You don't know how much flexibility they'll actually have. So that, that's the tough part. They're in, a, they're in a really, really good, strong position. The, 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 the key thing, the hard thing is breaking through to the next level. Howard, one of the really interesting things to me about that particular series, uh, the Jazz and the Nuggets, 
was it almost looked to me like it was two different series. At one point, the Nuggets were watching what Donovan Mitchell was doing, and it was almost as though they mirrored that with Jamal Murray later on. They went away from their two-man game and their pick-and-roll a little bit, and they were just giving the ball to Jamal Murray, and that's what the Jazz had sort of been doing with Donovan Mitchell. So it became a, a reflection of itself. Which is interesting, too, because the strength of the Nuggets has been, aside from the fact that Jokic is just this incredibly gifted and versatile big man, but their 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 strength the last couple of years has been, you know, kind of a strength in numbers approach, an ensemble approach, where it's not Jamal Murray going for 30 or 50. Um, it's Jamal Murray putting up 18 or 20 and Gary Harris pitching in 16 or 18 and Will Barton, uh, Millsap, Jokic. And, and, you know, that's their strength is that they just have – you know, a really great deep rotation and that they suddenly became the Jamal Murray show for a few games there. Uh, you're right. That's a great observation. I mean, it was, it was a deviation from their, their character, but it was effective. And I think they have, uh, they've unlocked something there, which, you know, look, they couldn't replicate it last night against the Clippers. We'll see what they can do with a couple more days of rest. Um, I think they were probably just gassed, but, yeah, the, the Nuggets have been and remain a very interesting team, a really a really deep team. And if Michael Porter Jr. can replicate some of what he was doing in the seeding games <clears throat> and become, you know, the third wheel there, well, then now now the Nuggets really have something. Howard, we've asked you a lot this season about Mike Conley. He's been a major story around here, as you know. But I put this to Gordon in the last segment, and I'll I'll put it to you, you know, plain and simple. Is Mike a good fit for this Jazz team? Uh, I think we've seen at times that he could be. I think that I'm not, I'm less concerned about fit. Well, maybe it's equal. It's partial fit and partial health and just age and mileage. Um, you never get a forewarning necessarily when a, when a, an all-star type player all of a sudden loses it because of the age and the mileage and it just catches up. It's just suddenly one day you just can't get by anybody anymore and you don't have the separation ability, and you can't stay in front of guys as well. And so I, I worry for, for Conley that, that the age and the mileage and the injuries are, are piling up and that, you know, you don't know how much more the Jazz will get out of him. But, you know, look, the fit part is, is, is relevant too. If Donovan Mitchell is going to be more in the mold of, you know, and this is not a direct analogy, but, you know, the, the Hardens and Westbrooks and Luka Doncic's and, and the Trey Youngs, like the, this this – style of offense where you just you have a guard who is incredible with the ball in their hands or a wing and you just say you're 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 everything you you dictate every possession you're either shooting or you're passing for the for the basket but you're going to dominate the ball and that is a lot of today's nba and if donovan mitchell is going to be more in that role then it certainly devalues what mike conley brought to the table in the first place now he can still bring defense and great spot of shooting and leadership but as a as a more traditional point guard um i i don't know if he's the right fit and you know maybe they can find the balance between them or maybe you know what maybe you move off of him maybe maybe in retooling this offseason maybe there's a better fit for him somewhere else and you bring back you know just a a a spot up shooter type or um you know a versatile big um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting question for them this offseason. One of the concerns Jake brings up is that uh, Mike is not the, the tallest point guard in the world. 
and uh, that jazz guard line, you know, Donovan Mitchell six one and Conley at whatever he is six foot or whatever, that that puts the Jazz a little bit of disadvantage at the defensive end. Uh, but I wanted to, Howard, I've asked you this about this before, but it's something that's really on our minds these days around these parts, and it's this. If Rudy Gobert comes to the Jazz and says, fellas, I want the Supermax, what would your reaction be if you were sitting in that seat? I think, you know, listen, from a from a negotiating standpoint, of course you're not just going to say, sure, here you go, and, and hand it over. Um, you try, obviously, from, from just a, a, a cap management standpoint and just being – as wise about your resources as you can, I think you, you, you try to, to come up short of that and still find a deal that works for him. But if the question is really about do you want him long-term at a large number, forget whether it's super max, max, any kind of whatever, if it's more just about do you want him at a big number long-term or not, I think you still re-sign him. You, you, you keep him because there's only so many guys who can do what he can do in this league and – I've said this about the Sixers before. I've said this about some other teams. If you've got two guys who are in the top, whatever, top twenty, top twenty-five, wherever you, uh, you know, wherever Mitchell and Gobert fall in, in the in the you know the rankings, it's hard to get those guys. And you know, and in Mitchell's case, he has the, the chance to keep climbing. So you you don't uh, you, you don't you don't take that lightly, and you don't take it for granted and break them up prematurely. Whether it's about them or whether it's about cap whatever you do what you can to keep them together because you know Gobert is, is what made them a a formidable team because he his presence alone meant the jazz would be perennially one of the top defenses in the nba and then mitchell brought the dynamism to the offense to go with it and so you need both um and if you were going to decline uh, any kind of extension to to go if you were going to say that you're, you know you're not you're not a part of our future anymore. Well, all right, what are you getting for him in return? Because, you know, look, clearly he's, he would have great value out there. You, I, I'm sure if they decided to go down that road, trade-wise, I, I think you could get great value in return. But you're going to be a fundamentally different team, <clears throat> especially defensively, without him. And, and that's, you know, again, you, you, don't, you don't take it for granted when you've got guys of his caliber. How, excuse me, Howard Beck with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Switching gears a little bit, Howard. Uh, the, the Rockets have gone all in on the small ball, and now they're going up against the Lakers, who are uh, just a giant team. How is, how is this going to play out? What needs to happen for Houston to have a chance in this series? Oh, they don't. Um, <laughs> this, this, they're going to lose in five, um, and, and then there will be uh, – you know, fireworks and consequences because um, that's what happens. Um, I, I have very little faith in them. Uh, the, you know, the fact that they needed down to the last seconds of Game Seven against the Thunder, a team that, granted, had a really good season, but wasn't even supposed to be in the playoffs based on everybody's preseason prognostications. And, and granted, that means everybody was just wrong. But um, it's not like the Thunder were were this really deep, talented team. I mean, they're they're a good, solid team, but. You know, I, I just I, – nothing I saw in that series from the Rockets uh, made me move off of my belief that it was a flawed construction from to, from the beginning, that Harden and Westbrook are, are not the best complements to each other, that, you know, you know, the small ball is, is only one piece of this. 
And but the small ball will come into play more, as you point out, against the giant Lakers team, where you've got one of the best players in the, in the NBA in, in Anthony Davis that they're going to have to contend with. And you do have guys also who, you know, look, no one is necessarily building a game plan around stopping JaVale McGee or, or Dwight Howard at this stage of Dwight Howard's career. But those guys are both formidable going to the basket, and they're big, strong players. And the Lakers have more depth in the front court, too. And that's the other thing with the Rockets. It's not just that they went small ball. There's, there's certain advantages to that and a, and a rationale to it. But past their, their, their you know, pseudo-bigs, past – you know, Covington and Tucker, there's, there's really nobody else who can fill in that role when those guys are on the bench. And the Lakers have a wealth of, of options there. So uh, I think that's going to hurt them. I don't think they really have anybody to throw at LeBron. The best that the Rockets can hope for is that the Lakers' weak backcourt, and it is, might be overwhelmed by, by the Westbrook-Harden tandem and that that's the way you're going to stay in it. But um, those guys are lower percentage shots than LeBron and Anthony Davis. Howard, I don't know about you, but every once in a while I'll ask myself, why do I do what I do? Why, 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 why am I doing this? And I got, an, I got an answer last night as I'm watching that Toronto-Boston game. And uh, when, when you see that kind of competition, that kind of excitement, that kind of execution when it must be there, wow. I didn't even know you could get a jump shot off in half a second. Uh, that was something to see. Well, I was there in San Antonio for Derek Fisher's point four shot against the Spurs, um, which, interesting parallel, uh, quick tangent. Nobody remembers what happened before Derek Fisher hit the point four shot, which was that Tim Duncan hit this crazy, amazing falling to his left shot from about, I don't know, 16, 17 feet out or, or, or just a little behind maybe the free throw line. And Duncan hits this shot that, that switched with point four to set up that final play. And last night, that incredible pass from Kemba Walker to set up uh, the dunk that, that put the, gave the Celtics what looked like the winning basket. And it's obliterated by one of the craziest and most amazing final shots of a, of a playoff game we've seen. That looping pass, which was just perfectly placed. And to get it over Taco Fall and then, and then Ananobi hitting it, I mean – that was that was amazing. I like I can't I can't watch enough replays of that. To your point, Gordon, like that was that that like that's why we do this for moments yeah. like that. Um, it was it was spectacular. That was that was just so much fun. And, and listen, I have so much respect for the Raptors. To to have to to see them down three zero would have been just kind of sad. You know, I mean, you don't have to be a Raptors fan to feel like man, that's not what you want to see from defending champions. Um, so I'm glad it's a series now, and I'm glad we got to see that play. Howard Beck with us, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Uh, might as well uh, round it out by asking you about the other uh, playoff series there in the East. Howard, Milwaukee trails Miami two games to none. Uh, are the Bucks not playing well? Or are they has, has Miami figured something out? What's going on over in that series? I mean, we've probably discussed this at some point in the last couple of months, maybe even more than once, that I was never sold on the Bucks as the this, this heavy favorite that they were portrayed to be coming out of the East. And um, there are a variety of reasons for that, but uh, and, and, and on the flip side, I've been trying to talk up Miami the last couple of months. I thought that they were really good and had a shot. And um, when you've got Jimmy Butler, you've always got a shot, and we saw that in Game One. But they also the the, the Heat have a great ensemble approach where Butler could have a, a statistically quiet game too and, and still win. 
they, you know, look, Spolstra has, and he's an incredibly underrated coach. He was number two on my coach of the year ballot. Spolstra does a phenomenal job of getting guys to all buy in and of, of having that team always play tenaciously on defense. And so they, they weren't going to give anything up to Giannis. And I think they've done a great job, as the Raptors did last year, of kind of walling it off, making it tough for Giannis to get to the rack and force him to be more of a playmaker, challenge the rest of the Bucks to beat you. And the rest of that Bucks rotation is not all that intimidating. Chris Middleton's very good. He's an all-star, but he's not at that level of the typical number two on a championship-quality team. And, you know, Eric Bledsoe, we've seen him fade in the playoffs before. And then it's who else is really going to beat you? Brooke Lopez? Um, yeah, George Hill. I mean, they've got. I mean, these are good players, but it's it, it's not the kind of team that you really feel like you're you're constantly having to, you know, uh, adjust on the fly because this guy's going to beat you now. This guy's going to beat you on the next play. They're not built that way. They're really really reliant on Giannis, and if you can fluster him and make him inefficient, you have a shot. And, and the Heat have just done a great job. We'll see what happens uh, tonight. Howard, a uh, team that is in close proximity to you where you are, the Nets made the decision to hire Steve Nash. Your reaction to that? I mean, I think I had the same reaction as everybody initially, which was, what the heck? Like, where did they (laughs) – I did not see that coming. And in this day and age, in this league, for nothing to leak is is astounding. Um, But, you know, I I think people knew that Nash eventually wanted to coach at some level, in some capacity, that it's now and this team, I mean, that, that's the part we didn't see coming. So it obviously came together, you know, pretty quickly. And you can, you can draw the lines. He and Sean Marks uh, were teammates briefly in, in Phoenix and their friends. Uh, he worked with Kevin Durant extensively as a consultant for the Warriors while Durant was with the Warriors. So there's a relationship there. And... There's a logic there. And, and look, as a two-time MVP who does have a little distance from the league, I think it's harder when you're Derek Fisher or Jason Kidd who went straight from, like, pulling off their jersey to coaching, it's tougher. Nash has been out of the game for several years now. He's worked as a consultant on the side. He's got a little distance and a little age. Um, and he is a two-time MVP who is, is uh, you know, was renowned as a player for how smart he was about the game and how well he orchestrated out there. And I think that that certainly gives him – uh, the, the the you know the, the right respect level from guys like Katie and Kyrie, so it makes sense. On the other hand, you know, look, did he skip the line? Yes. Have we seen that before? Yes. We saw it with, as I said, Fish and, and Jason Kidd with Doc Rivers back when he first went to Orlando with Steve Kerr when he took over the Warriors um, with Larry Bird a, a long time ago. So not everybody goes the assistant route, um, and it there is some risk involved. You know, but there was some risk involved when the Warriors hired Steve Kerr. That turned out pretty well. And I don't think you can draw a direct analogy. Every situation is different. Every coach is different. But if, if, if the question is whether Steve Nash has the temperament and the, the knowledge, um, the ability to do this, I mean, I think he absolutely does. And he has the great advantage of, of walking into a team with a lot of talent. Some temperamental talent, but talent. <laughs> Howard, uh, thank you very much, as always, for jumping on with us. Be well and have a great weekend. Appreciate it, fellas. You too. Have a great one. Thanks, Howard. Our friend Howard Beck, your uh, daily assist right here on 97.5 and 1280. I loved his answer about the Lakers and Rockets because I don't, I don't think Houston has much of a shot either. <laughs>
Uh, yeah, that's uh, truer than it it should be. Uh, but uh, yeah, but he's probably right. He's probably All right, we're, right. We're live you know, today. One, from... one, one, Sorry, one thing, Jake. I wanted to respond to his answer about Steve Nash. You know, when when he was on the floor, he, he reminded me of Stockton a little bit as far as his court savvy and his smarts. And that goes a long way. I mean, there are not every player who is a veteran player in the league has that. And uh, he he was like a coach on the floor. So maybe that qualifies him more. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I know. I'm just skeptical. Like, I, I, you could say that exact same thing about Ty Detmer. Yeah, I suppose so. Right. So I, I don't know. We'll see. You know, how are his organizational skills? How are his leadership skills? You know, uh, Gordon, a, a lot of an NBA, being an NBA coach is being a, you know, a psychologist and, and dealing with bizarre situations. Plus, you, you know, Kyrie Irving, you know, how uh, he hasn't always connected with his coaches all that well. So, I mean, but Steve kind of, is pretty, pretty, Steve is pretty uh, savvy in that regard, I think. So, I don't know. We'll see how it turns out. All right, we're live from the warehouse, 1825 South, 300 West. Our friend Clayton joins us again. I'm just going to take over full-time for my dad. Just bullying Tom right off the show. I think I do a better job anyway. So You, you know what? I, I like it because – and Tom actually is, is coming on over. But I, he I like goes. it because – He heard that and he had to come over. Well, you're busy. Tom, you're busy. You're connecting with customers. You're, you're helping people get what they need, man. He's getting paid. He might as well work. Right? <laughs> well, this is a guy who had a radio show in Lima, Peru. So <laughs> it's different he, he in Spanish, def- though. He can definitely handle it. Well, I, I did notice Vidal walked by with a mattress just a second ago. And I Clayton's like, help. I got I to gotta do radio. I, I got to do radio. I'm a radio guy now. <laughs> it's about time Vidal was working because I saw him back there sitting on his phone for 20 minutes. Well, he's working now, man. He just, he just uh, humped that mattress right over there. I was impressed. One-man show manhandling that really thing. quick funny a lady came in this morning and bought uh, a mattress set and the guy goes are you vidal we've we've heard about you on the radio <laughs> nice to meet you vidal awesome so vidal's ego is a little stroke so i had to take him down a notch well you gotta, you know, <laughs> i'm gonna keep people focused eye on the ball all that Clayton, what are we doing? Are we doing the clayton sectional of course we're doing the clayton sectional we're, we're running a sectional today that it's cool because we've talked about it before here on the show, and obviously besides the coolest name in the world, the Clayton sectional, it's made right here in, in Utah. So we're supporting local uh, factories doing the sectional. It's a 10-foot sectional by 7-foot, um, meaning that the, the chaise lounge that goes out is just 7 feet, and then the three chairs you know, that sit the three people on the sofa side is 10 feet long. But the cool thing is that the sectional is you can do it how you want it. So if you're... You know, if your living room's a little bit different and you want it 14 by 9, if you want the chaise on the right-hand side or the left-hand side, you can come in and it's like we said, it's built here in Utah, and the guy guarantees it in two weeks. Right now, with our industry being upside down, we're looking at more than two weeks coming from the national factories and the manufacturers of furniture. So it's a cool option to support a local business, and it's a great deal. We usually sell it for $15.99. And, again, this is a section that you could go down the street to our competitors and look at something maybe two grand. 1700 to, yeah, to right. two grand. Okay. 
But we're, we're talking custom. You choose your fabric. Yeah, whatever. We're looking at it right now. You've got the, the what do they call those swatches? The pattern yeah, right. square, right? BYU blue. That's right. That's your jam. It's right there. <laughs> little, little University of Utah gray. There you go. Very nice stuff, but though, by the way. And what a variety. I mean, you can really get And again, the cool thing is you can come choose how you want it, see the accent pillows. We have the, we have the sample fabrics. And we're doing it. If you come in and you mention that you heard me, Clayton, we're doing it for eleven ninety nine. Yes, what a deal! That's amazing. I'm going to make it so you can say Jake too. <laughs> we can't stroke his ego too much. No, come on, it's the Clayton out. sectional. Which, yeah, you can say Clayton, but you got to say Clayton or Jake. There you go. Get hooked up with it. It is. It's gorgeous. The Clayton special. Mention me too. I'll hook you up. Eighteen twenty five South, three hundred West. That is Clayton. That is Tom. Thank you both so much. Thank you guys. All right, we'll have more big show coming up next. Ninety seven five and twelve eighty. The Zone. <laughs> Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Thank you for making us a part of your day. We greatly appreciate it. Jake coming at you live from The Warehouse, their new Salt Lake uh, City location, 1825 South, 300 West. Price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Don't forget also about their Orem store at 86 East University Parkway. We've got the Not Sports Report coming up at 450 so uh, make sure and stay tuned for for that, uh, Gordon. Uh, you always uh, enjoy. Is is four fifty? Is that is that the best part of your day every day? The not sports sport. Oh no, it's just well, it's a labor of love. <laughs> it's a labor of love. Uh, okay, all right. So not no. not your not your favorite, but a but a labor of love. Yes. All right. I do it for the people. I don't think that's why you do it, but you know that's uh, that's that's all right, Gordon. That's all right. Uh, we're talking a little uh, NBA basketball here on the Big Show. Big thanks to Howard Beck for for jumping on with us in the last segment. We'll get that up online at twelve eighty thezone dot com. Our friend Josh Parcell is going to join uh, the show at five thirty. Um, but but where are you at, Gordon? We you know we talked for so long going into these uh, the NBA restart about how there's really three contenders, and uh, everybody else is just kind of in it for fun. And we talked to Howard Beck there, and he's been pretty uh, consistent about this opinion for a while now that the Bucks might be more vulnerable than we thought. Are you are you still in yeah. the category of three true contenders? Are there only two, or is there another team maybe that has entered into the conversation? How are you hanging on? Where are you? Well, I'm not as smart as Howard is, so I didn't see this coming. I mean, I might not have thought the Bucks were world beaters, but I thought that they would be in the mix. And uh, unless they get this thing <laughs> figured out quick, they're not going to be in the mix. And that's just weird to me. I thought they would. So, are you putting anybody else in if uh, if if you're moving the Bucks out, or are you moving the Bucks out? Uh, I'm not. I'm not. I'm kind of like you. I'm not ready quite to move them out yet. I I I think. Uh, I don't. We could be completely wrong on this, Jake. But I would expect them to fight back. And I don't know, because if they don't, they'll be one of the great disappointments. And not only will it be a problem for this year, but I think it'll be a problem for Giannis's future with the club. I, I, I don't think he's going to want to stick around if things aren't looking up. I don't know if he's going to want to stick around 
if things are looking up. Either I'm way. not sure, sure if that makes yeah. a difference to him. Maybe it does. I, I really have no idea. Yeah. He's uh, he's done nothing but say the right things. He is under contract next year. So uh, if it indeed is a tryout for the Bucks to impress Giannis, they'll have another year to do it, unless he says that he doesn't want to play there anymore, in, in which case I would expect them to uh, to trade him either this offseason or, or uh, by the tra- trade deadline next year. Um, but, you know, maybe they have a chance to bring it back and go for another title before he makes his decision, and it'll be fascinating to see which way he goes. But I, I don't know. I don't know. It'd be interesting to ask him what his priorities are. I heard um, Bowler on with uh, with Scotty earlier today, you know, speculating would he go to the Warriors. And if, you know, if if he were to go to somewhere like the Warriors chasing a title, that would indicate to me that it is important for him to win a title. He doesn't think he can do it in Milwaukee. Yeah, yeah. Well, I like like it when guys stick around. I mean, I, I just it it feels right, and I like uh, what uh, Rudy Gobert said after his second Defensive Player of the Year award, where he said he was asked about it, and he said, "I want to build a championship where I am. I don't want to go somewhere else to do it." And that's that's a breath of fresh air. I I don't like this idea of just seeking it out by moving somewhere where it might be easier. Um, and, and Milwaukee is kind of like other. Mid-market teams. It's not exactly the center of the universe, but uh, I like it when players stick. Uh, Milwaukee basically has their whole team back next year uh, contractually. Kyle Korver is a free agent. Pat Connington is a free agent. Marvin Williams is uh, is a free agent. But outside of that, I mean, they they basically bring their core back. Uh, Chris Middleton's under contract for a long, long time. Uh, he's making $33 million yeah. next year. Eric Bledsoe's back. Brooke Lopez is back. George Hill's back. Ersan Ilyasova is back. So, you know, they'll they'll make another go at it and obviously try to, to impress uh, a winning culture upon Giannis. But I, I don't know. And, and I don't know if they are vulnerable this year, Gordon. I'm kind of debating in my mind, you know, is, is if you prepare for the Bucks, are they flawed? Or is it just that they're not playing well? And I, uh, you know, tried to ask Howard that in the last segment, and I don't know if you have an opinion on that, but I'd be, I'd be curious because if they're flawed, you know, that's if Toronto figured something out last year in the playoffs, and now Miami is figuring something out now. I mean, maybe they do have to do something drastically different uh, in a hail mary to keep you honest. Yeah, and I, I, I don't know. I'm going to sit back and wait and see. But if they lose this next game, Jake. I mean, what are you going to do then? I, Start packing. I, <laughs> exactly, which might not be a complete negative for all the players. And that's the other thing about this. It is a different scenario. It's a different situation these guys are in. It's not the norm. And I wondered if that was going to affect certain teams. I'm not saying it is. I'm not going to use that as anybody's excuse, but it might be. Maybe. I mean, that's why the NBA now, uh, Gordon, is is a weird place because it's no longer kind of a loyalty league. I yeah. mean, it's 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 interesting to figure out where these, you know, to get a read on what these players want for their future. And as the Jazz discovered with Gordon Hayward, you know, if if you if they just walk, you know, it can be a scary ordeal because you've invested so much in these players and building around these players and those sorts of things. Now. I, think the jazz would not complain with how things have worked out with donovan mitchell and such but 
There were some tense months there, <laughs> uh, Gordon, before that season started about uh, where they were going to go. Yeah. I, I just – we don't even – we haven't even mentioned – really in any significant way the effect on the fans and i i know that's old-fashioned and i know uh players under free agency uh, can go where they want to go and whatnot but these fans I've, I've always felt that people deserve to be listened to when folks around here went through that whole scenario with gordon hayward i thought about the fans who had poured their heart and souls into the team and rooting for him and wanting the best for him and then to see him just sort of stiff everybody and head off a different direction. I, I, I remember back when Kurt Flood was still fighting for this. And, and I, I get it. I get it. But I, it doesn't mean I always have to like it. And I, and I like the opportunity to have some fluidity within a league. But I, the other half of me is saying, man, the people deserve a little better than that. Kurt Flood, you were about his age, right? <laughs> yeah he was a little younger than me but i do well, you the, know, I, yeah just a tad mm-hmm. what year was that that he got the free agency oh man i went sometime in the 60s wasn't it or was it right around the turn of the decade from the 60s to the 70s do me a favor and google that jake and i'll say something smart in the meantime no you could you got your computer right there you can do it all right i will I'll say something smart then uh, well, I'm always saying something smart, Gordon. And, uh, you know, hasn't it been a journey since good old Kurt Flood in whatever year to, uh, you know, player empowerment, especially in the NBA, is an absolute real thing. And LeBron, that might be LeBron's ultimate lasting legacy on uh, on the NBA is he really spearheaded that shift in, you know, players realizing what kind of control and power they have on NBA franchises and whether fans, you know, to your point, Gordon, about the fans, whether fans like it or not, um, they're they're right. They have an extreme, you know, the, the best of the best players have all the leverage in the world. And especially it's it's kind of a, a weird byproduct of a, of a salary cap, too, because you can only pay them so much. So that makes other things all of a sudden become much, much more relevant. I've told you this before. I, I almost wish there wasn't a, a salary cap for small market teams because that would be their advantage in either retaining star players or attracting star players to come. Is you can pay them more than you know. You can go down to you can go down to Miami Beach and pay for the heat and, and make a dollar, but you could come to Salt Lake and we're going to pay you too. But when when now there's a, a cap, a limit on exactly how much you can pay uh, a player and the the incentive financially to retain players is there, but it's not hugely significant. Uh, We've seen players prioritize other things, uh, whether it's uh, living in Miami or going back home to Cleveland or, and I know I'm just using LeBron here, but, you know, go out to to Hollywood where you want to launch a media empire, you know, all of a sudden all those things come into play as opposed to just the total of the paycheck. And it makes it, it makes it a little bit, kind of a different world that actually in a weird way i think puts small markets at disadvantage yes i agree with you completely on everything you just said all right jake well kurt flood he was traded at the end of the 1969 season and uh he refused he tried to refuse the trade from the cardinals and the uh, his uh his uh, legal 
uh, challenge was unsuccessful, went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court. But uh, apparently it brought about the uh, solidarity among players uh, that uh, uh, ushered in the uh, or the uh, ushered out the reserve clause and brought in free agency. So it was right there at 69.70 when all that was going on. Our hilarious friend Gordon Ute Shasta Trailer tweets in. He says, so is Gordon Monson basically saying that Milwaukee isn't the greatest market in the NBA, but it's not exactly Hooterville either? <laughs> Tell you, you uh, did. You loved no. yourself some Petticoat Junction back in the day. That was your jam. <laughs> oh, man, no. Uh, where was Petticoat Junction anyway? I, I don't. I, I, I want to know. know where that. I want to know where that was located. And Hollywood you... comes to Hooterville. <laughs> That's a line Gordon dropped in one of his infamous uh, jazz finals columns. Yeah, but that it wasn't meant that I was saying that it was Hooterville. I was viewing it through the lens of the people in Hollywood. You wrote it. I know. It was but not through any lens. You were like, Jake, the see, night Hollywood came to Hooterville. Jake, Jake this is where, where, for whatever reason, what is obvious is lost on you. I, or maybe it's not obvious, but it is yet still there, and you refuse to see it. I was, I was portraying what the people in Hollywood would be thinking rather sarcastically about this particular market. I wasn't saying that I agreed with that or that I thought that or that that was my opinion. No, that was theirs. Except for you're, you're missing the fact that I remember what you wrote because we read it on the show <laughs> and you were talking about celebrities who had come to Salt Lake to watch the Lakers and the Jazz. It wasn't the finals. It was the, the conference finals. And your line was, it was like when Hollywood came to Hooterville. That doesn't sound like their opinion. That sounds it, like your opinion. But no, that was what they were thinking about coming here. Oh, man. <laughs> you were so full of it. You just, like, like <laughs> what, uh, what, why, uh, dumping why, 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 on all of us why, locals. No, why would I think that this is Hooterville? That makes no sense at all. I chose to live here. I want to live here, and I wouldn't want to live in Hooterville. You called it Hooterville. Yeah, I don't care where you that's live. because it was through their eyes. Ugh. Uh, yeah, I tell you what, you just backpedal like. No, like it's not backpedaling. Oh, it's what it was always intended to be. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa Networks, home to complete business telecom and IT solutions, backed by an industry-leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Hooterville. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. You're impossible. You're incorrigible. <laughs> that is 21st century Utah, but but I was using some Gordon vernacular there. Did I mention that uh, Syringa is a local Hooterville com uh, company? Just like the warehouse. In fact, we're at their new Hooterville location, 1825 South, 300 West. Come on down, pay us a visit. The price is so low, it'll blow your mind. Um, what are we calling Orem, Gordon? Is that also included in Hooterville, or is that something else? Well, let's ask the people of Hollywood. 86 East University Parkway, their location in Orem. Not Sports Report next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. And now your Not Sports Report on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network.
Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Happy Friday. Live from the warehouse, 1825 South 300 West. Come on by and see us. Time for the Nod Sports Report, brought to you by the LHM Used Car Supermarket. Over 1,000 used vehicles in inventory. Shop online, lhmusedcars.com. Gordo, where are we going today, buddy? We're going to, uh, let's see, we are going to, where is this place? I believe it's Minnesota. But anyway, um, not sure about that, but it's somewhere up there. Uh, Jake, have you ever... uh, have you ever been stopped for speeding or something else and wished that someone could come to your rescue? Uh, or that you could talk your way out of it? Sure, I guess. Uh, I suppose, hasn't anybody? I don't get stopped for speeding very often. Yeah, you're, you're, you're a very cautious driver. Have you ever gotten a speeding ticket? No, not, I'm knocking on wood here. But I Have, have never... you ever been pulled over? I've been pulled over before. Uh-huh. Okay. Well, get a load of what happened here. In a small town, it is Minnesota, a place called Niswa, N-I-S-S-W-A. So the mayor of this town is driving down Highway 371 on Saturday night, and he sees a police officer pull, pull somebody over on the side of the road. And he's going to do his job, I guess the police officer was. And so the mayor stops the car and goes over and has a few words with the police officer. Well, he leaves, and then he circles back around, comes back to the scene, and uh, gets in a confrontation with the police. And this is what he says to him. Now, okay, first of all, Remember how we have reiterated this time and time again. Never use the don't you know who I am card. Well, I mean, you you don't live by that. But, yeah, I think we've <laughs> talked about it. I do. Well, the, the mayor started yelling at the police officers. He was angry that they were p- pulling people over on the highway because he interpreted that, that they were bothering tourists who are coming to the town, to his town, the town he was the mayor of. And so he is recorded as saying to the police officers, you know that I'm the mayor of this bleep town, and you guys get the bleep off the highway out here. Hmm. Well, (laughs) Well, he ended up getting arrested himself, the mayor did. And so the uh, the white knight that came in to try and save the day ended up getting himself in trouble. But the mayor's out there swearing at the officers who are pulling people over for speeding. Hmm. That was a new one on me. I I, <laughs> I I can't imagine the mayor of Salt Lake City pulling you pulling off the side of a road to come to your rescue, right? Uh no, but it does sound like something you would do. If I were mayor? If you were mayor, yeah. Only, only for the good of the people. Only for the good of the people? Yeah. Or the your like-minded lead foot people? Uh, no, it would, be, it would be for the good of the businesses in my town, the various hotel owners and whatnot who didn't want to be have their the tourists who were coming to town to spend money badgered uh, in that way. So, well, I mean, 
you know, it's, there's a number of ways to separate tourists from their dollar. I've got one other little item about uh, that could be construed as, as a traffic item. But I was just reading a story from Myrtle Beach, a place that you have been. I have. And what did you think of Myrtle Beach? I was pretty young, but uh, I remember it like being it, awesome. Right? Uh, I, I like uh, the Outer Banks better, but, I mean, it's a lot of golf in Myrtle Beach. Well, explain something to me, you know, and I'm I'm a guy who thinks that people who go out should wear masks. Uh, I think that's the uh, that's the polite thing to do. That's the unselfish thing to do to protect your community by wearing masks. But in Myrtle Beach, apparently wearing masks right now is mandatory. But. Riding a motorcycle without a helmet is not. Doesn't that seem like kind of a contradiction to you? Oh, I don't know. I the don't one know. It seems like completely is, different topics. The one difference is that in the one case, uh, if you're not wearing a, a helmet and you crash, then you're putting yourself at risk. In the other case, if you don't wear a mask, you might be putting someone else at risk. Well, are they really comparable? I mean, if I, if I learned anything about... Uh, uh, or from watching the show Tiger King, apparently it's you could just own a tiger randomly. So does that? I mean, you could apply the same logic there. Like, does it make sense that you have to wear a mask, but you can buy a tiger? <laughs> can you really buy a tiger, or was that illegal? Was that all on the? They were uh, like operational businesses. I think there's all of these, uh, you know, random zoos around this country that own all these cats. You should see the stats behind it, but. Yeah, I mean, there are lots of things that are legal that uh, that could be potentially dangerous. I just, you know, it's just sort of funny to me that you can go 65 miles an hour on a motorcycle without a, a, anything to protect you, but uh, but you have to wear a mask. That's... Well, I, again, I say, you know, you have to wear a mask, but you could have, you, you know, but you could have a, a, a tiger sleep at the bottom of your bed. What sense does that make? <laughs> If you could have any wild animal as a pet, which one would you pick? Um, hmm. And it won't hurt you, but it but it is uh, it is somewhat uh, ominous to other people. <laughs> I would not choose a cougar, Tom. Turn Tom on there, uh, Tom from the <laughs> warehouse, eighteen twenty-five South, three hundred uh, three hundred West. Hey, the cougars are the only football that we get to watch right now for college so you would not choose a cougar this weekend uh you're not going to watch that game monday oh i'm going to watch every second ah uh, there you monday. go so oh, he'd choose no. a cougar no i what about you know like it, it always seems to me that uh, what the aren't the dolphins considered the like smartest one of the smartest mammals or like an orangutan smart right elephant, wouldn't you want elephant wouldn't you want an, a, a wild animal that was like Super intelligent. Like well, Flipper. what is this? Yeah. Is this some sort of episode of Flipper or something? Yeah, 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 right. Are you going to keep good... it in a tank in your or, backyard? What? Or what's that uh, What's that Clint Eastwood movie with the orangutan? Yeah, love it. Every which way but loose. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, I think that's what I would want. I think I would want That'd be funny. Cat. could protect you. Yeah. Anybody giving you crap, you just smack them. Oh, yeah, that's see? A good. That's a good choice. Second to Cougars this weekend. I, I want a lion. That would be cool. And he's not even lying. He's sitting, probably. Oh, Gordon would nice. end up eating within the week. 
Hey, Gordon, the difference in your mask theory is masks don't protect you. They protect others. Yeah, and I do so think that. So Utah has a law. Anybody can ride a motorcycle here without a helmet. Really? Yeah. Freeway, wherever you want. Utah's no helmet law. All right. That's then. pretty stupid well, to ride your motorcycle without a helmet if you want to protect yourself, but people do it every day here. But if you want to protect other people, wear the freaking masks. It makes right. sense to me. Right. All right. But again, but what if your pet tiger turns on somebody, you know? <laughs> that, that's an well, issue. That affects others, too. <laughs> you heard about Siegfried and Roy, one of the tigers attacking oh, Roy? Yeah. Roy, yeah, yeah. nearly He never him. recovered. He died. Yeah, didn't he well, pass like last year? He passed away later, but he never really recovered where he could do his show. Scary stuff. Bad stuff. Scary, Scary stuff. How about an elephant, Tom? Could you handle an elephant? You know, one of the adventures that I've had in life is I took a group friend when I was going to Asia all the time to uh, Thailand, and we went in Phuket, and if you haven't heard of Phuket, Phuket is one of the most beautiful, tropical, gorgeous island destinations in the world. But you can do an adventure. We got in a, a Land Rover, like a safari vehicle in oh, the back, cool. went to the top of a mountain. We rode mi- mountain bikes through a rubber tree jungle. When we got halfway down, we had a big buffet, and there were monkeys sitting on our shoulders. They then put us on an elephant, my right, my wife and two of her friends, the women sat on the elephant's head and me and their husbands. We were in baskets in the back, and we went through the jungle on an elephant, saw snakes and parrots and all kinds of tropical things. Then we got on white water and kayaked to the Yellow Sea. Wow. And the entire venture was like 35 bucks a person. It was unbelievable. That is, that's awesome. So hey, elephants one, are very cool. One one little tidbit about elephants. You know the difference between an African elephant and an Indian elephant? Where they're from? Two different continents. Yeah, well, they... <laughs> Sorry. The, the African elephant has big ears. In fact, the yeah. African elephant has an ear shaped like the continent of Africa. Just, exactly. just a little tidbit for you. I, you I did know that. Learn something new every day. I, do, I did know from that. Gordon. So we were on um, Asian... Elephants. Indian, Thailand. So Thailand is a big native population of elephants, and they had small ears. How about that? Uh, let's talk about you had a good deal uh, on that trip. Hey, let's talk about good deals here. I, I had a customer come in, and they've been shopping. You saw me spend. Yeah. Clayton had to do two spots. It's about time he did some work. Yeah, right. We had a customer come in. They've been shopping. The husband came in scouting that he's going to bring his wife back. They've been looking at adjustable beds. Uh, they were convinced they needed a seventy, a nine thousand dollar bed. They were going to discount it to seventy one hundred dollars. He comes in, and the same base, the same manufacturer, same warranty, and it's a twenty nine hundred dollar deal. Wow, going to save more than half. Seventy one hundred dollars. That's forty two hundred dollars in savings. And they were they thought they were getting it uh, at a bar. They were ready to do it, and the husband said, "I've heard these guys on the jazz radio station. I'm going to go down there, honey. Oh, honey, let's get it. It's perfect for you. He's got issues with sleeping and back issues. My guess is 60 years old. They, Took care of him. They just bought an adjustable bed for twenty nine hundred dollars instead of seventy one. Amazing. Uh, that's just one example. We've got. We just got. A couple of truckloads of upholstery, and everybody's heard the issue. Some of our competitors 
Right next door. Right next door in both locations, Orem and Salt Lake, are quoting 12 to 14 weeks if you order a sectional. I just got three truckloads this week. You can see I've got some gorgeous. You're you sitting do. on a nice Oh, I love little, this. Gorgeous black leather power reclining USBs in the arm. I've got sofas. If you need sofas, if you need some dining tables, if you need mattresses, whatever your needs are, we're going to take care of you. And I'm going to save you money. But if you're prepared to order something specific, be prepared to wait six to 12 weeks because that's where the industry's at. It's upside down. Well, get in here and see for yourself. Tom's got it. You just heard he mentioned the, uh, the, the truckloads. Other places don't. So you can get it. You can take it home. You can get it delivered. Tomorrow. Best price in town, by the way, on delivery. We don't talk enough about that. You guys take care of our let's, listeners. Let's bounce it out there. We'll deliver you anything in Davis, Salt Lake, and Utah County for 50 bucks. Fill up the truck. That's amazing. All right, 1825 South, 300 West, their brand-new Salt Lake location, 86 East University Parkway there in Orem. It's the warehouse. Thanks, Tom. Boom. We'll have more coming up next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.